I think if you were to ask a lot of people in the general community, what is the Bible about? I think a lot of people say, well, the Bible is about what you do on Sunday. The Bible is a book that tells you what you're supposed to do when you come to church. It's about your religious practice on Sunday. You know, a couple hours on Sunday, you know, you get together at church, and the Bible tells you what to do when you go to church. I really think a lot of people who haven't ever really seriously studied the Bible would potentially give that answer. But we, of course, know that that would be a very inadequate answer. Certainly the Bible tells us what we're supposed to do when we come together to worship. It specifies our worship. It tells us how God wants us to worship. But the Bible is way more than that. I know that you agree with that. Uh, literally, the Bible tells us what to do every day. It tells us what to do in each relationship we are in. It tells us about all our activities and how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. The Bible is a, is a guidebook for life, not just for worship on Sunday, but for what we're supposed to do all the time. Uh, certainly, the Bible discusses rules to live by, rules that we should follow in order to do the will of God, but also so that things will be best with us. God has put in place uh, a system, uh, ordinances, rules, instructions that will help us live the best possible lives. And so we want to talk about one aspect of that in our service tonight. We want to talk about what God's Word has to say about our work relationship and how we should work on the job, the kind of employees that we ought to be and so forth. The Bible addresses that. It tells us that that particular, that's just one of the particulars about what the Bible says concerning our lives day by day. So we want to talk tonight... Uh, about the Bible instructions concerning work and how God would have us to, to do that. Thanks for being here. Uh, we appreciate your presence very much and always look forward to our time together on Sunday evening where we can spend some extra time studying from the Word of God, uh, being encouraged by one another's presence, uh, talking about the most important things in life. We have visitors again tonight. We're always grateful for our visitors. Please know that, that we're thankful that you're here. We want you to come back. As always, we're open to your questions, and any way that we could be a help to you, uh, we want to do it. So you let us know if there's something that we can specifically do that would be of assistance to you. Let's talk about work. What about work? The first observation that we should make is that work is actually good for us. If you had, if you had an opportunity to describe a perfect situation, in other words, in your life, you could change everything and you could have it just the way you wanted it that you think would be perfect, what would you have? Well, somebody says, well, I hate getting up early in the morning, you know. I'd like to be able to sleep late every day. And then, of course, I'd like, when I, as soon as I get up, I'd like somebody to have a big breakfast prepared for me, you know. And you might specify all the things that you'd like on the breakfast table. I want to sleep late, and when I get up, I want a big breakfast there waiting for me. And then, of course, spend a few hours in the day doing what I really enjoy doing. Maybe, Mike, we could play golf every day, you know. Or maybe go fishing. Uh, uh, um, you ladies like to go shopping. Maybe great garage, uh, great garage sale every day to go to. You, know, you think about your perfect situation. And then, of course, an afternoon nap. I, I want to get an afternoon nap in there. You know, in my perfect situation, I would certainly want to take a nap in the afternoon. 
Literally, I think it would just be perfect if I could be waited on hand and foot. Just whatever my whim or fancy is, I get it. Would that be perfect? Would that be perfect? No, actually, that wouldn't be perfect. If you wanted to find a perfect environment for man, where would you go? The book of Genesis, the Garden of Eden, right? When God first created man and woman, He put them into the perfect environment. Would you agree with that? It was absolutely ideal. It could not be improved upon. The situation in the Garden of Eden was the ideal situation for mankind. But you know what was there? Work. There was work there. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And so what we learn from that statement is that God actually designed us. He's our designer and creator, right? He knows. In other words, He fixed us the way we should be. This is what's right for man. This is the ideal circumstance for man. And in an ideal situation, man has work to do. And so if, you know, if we dreamed about having everything just be weighted on hand and foot, we actually wouldn't be hoping for what's best for us. What's best for us is that we have something to apply ourselves to, work to do. Even in the Garden of Eden, it was that way. Our basic makeup, as created by God, needs work. Now, obviously, a lot of that is lost in our culture. In, in the modern day, people don't appreciate work and the opportunity to work. And far too many people are looking for ways to get out of work. And that's a sad thing. And it's one of the indicators, I'm afraid, that, that points to a bad future outcome for our culture. People are losing the, what we often refer to as the work ethic. People don't, know how to, people don't know how to work. You know, if you think back just a generation or two ago, and how hard people had to work just to make it day by day. Uh, my mother you know, was one of uh, eight children. They, they lived on a farm in the Depression. They had to work. They had to work hard. They knew how to work hard. That generation did. But unfortunately, in the modern day, people have lost a lot of that concept. They don't know work. They don't know how to work. They don't appreciate work. I really think that if any of us had to work as hard as those folks did back in those days, probably kill us all in a week or two, they knew how to work and they understood the importance of work. We're losing that. And I, I think we need to appreciate from the Scriptures, God wants us to be workers. He designed us that way. He made us that way. Work is good for us. God wants us to work. I might just stop here just for a minute to get up on a little bit of a soapbox, uh, especially to those of you who, have par- who are parents with children at home. You need to be teaching your children a work ethic. You need to teach your children the importance of work. I don't think a lot of folks are doing that in our day and time, and, and again, I think that's a, a spells doom for the future. But you as Christians and with children under your guidance need to instill upon them an, an appreciation for work and get that work ethic concept going in their mind. It's harder these days than it was before. You know, back, as I was mentioning, in my mother's day, there were chores, and everybody had to pitch in to do the chores on the farm. There was work that had to be done. In fact, a lot of times, parents had more and more kids, so they'd have more and more workers on the farm. Everybody had to pitch in. Well, we live in a much more convenient day and age. Uh, We don't have so many situations where there's chores to do. 
And so you parents will have to work harder, I think, to come up with opportunities for your children to be held responsible, to do work. But I think you've got to do that. It is part of God's design for us. I actually think that spills over into our spiritual life, too. If, if, if we learn how to be good workers, hard workers, then we, we carry that over into the spiritual realm, and that's really important as well. We need that work ethic. And so God says work is good for us. God expects us to work for at least a couple of reasons. Of course, the most obvious one is that God expects us to work so that we can provide for our own needs. There's just no doubt about that. Um, the Bible does not describe a, a social welfare nanny state. Now, that's what we've come to live in, I think, sadly, in many instances. But the Bible does not describe that. The Bible describes the fact that God expects us as much as we're able to to be self-sufficient and work and provide for our own needs. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning verse 11, he says, "...and that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing." Notice, that you may have lack of nothing. How, how should I have lack of nothing? Well... I'm expecting the government to provide that for me. I should have lack of nothing. Somebody else should do that for me. Somebody else should give me the things that I need. No. He says that you should work with your own hands so that you have lack of nothing. God expects us to provide for ourselves through the labor of our hands. Now, obviously, there are exceptions to that, and the Bible would describe such exceptions. But it is the general rule, and it ought to be the way we live, to understand that God wants us to work to provide for ourselves. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, you know the verse very well. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Uh, there are a lot of Bible concepts that are badly violated in our day and time. I don't know that there's any that's more violated than that. Most people think that they should not have to work, and that everything should be provided for them. God's will is that those who are able should work, and if they won't work, they shouldn't eat. In First, Thess uh, First Timothy, rather, First Timothy chapter 5, at verse 8, it says, If any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Take that in, if you will. Notice that your willingness or lack of willingness to work and provide for yourself can even impact your spiritual standing with God. Notice that if you won't provide for your own, it's a denial of the faith. And you put yourself in a spiritual condition worse than an infidel. That's serious, isn't it? And so you can see that this, this has implications not only to our physical well-being, but also for our spiritual well-being. So it's very clear that God expects us to work to provide for our own needs. But also the Bible says that we should work uh, so that we can share with others who have true needs. Um, there's lots of instruction in the Word of God on the notion of benevolence. And I really think probably we don't emphasize that as often as we should. The Bible certainly teaches us to be a benevolent people, that we ought to be mindful of situations where others have needs that they can't meet. Now, the first point I hope we've established, that is, we should do for ourselves as we are able. But the Bible certainly tells us to share with others who have true needs, and by working, 
this is one of the reasons why we should work is so that we have that ability. In Ephesians 4, verse 28, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hand the thing which is good. Why? That he may have to give to him that needeth. Now, we already established, I work so that my needs are met. This verse says, work so that when a legitimate situation arises, I can be able to help others who have needs. Uh, and so, uh, that is a concept that I believe we should stress more and more in our thinking. God wants us to be a benevolently minded people. Uh, and so we ought to work at that. We ought to, we ought to be very perceptive, open to, even searching for, opportunities where we can do good, use the blessings that we have from our work to help others who have not been blessed uh, in, in the same fashion, we ought to do that. So, again, work to provide for your own needs. Work's good for you. You need it. So work to meet your own needs. Work so that you can help others who have needs. The Bible also teaches, the Word of God in the New Testament clearly indicates that work actually provides us with an opportunity to teach by example. Notice in Titus chapter 2, verse 9, it says, teach slaves. Now, <laughs> stop there for a minute. Uh, probably some folks feel like they're a slave at their place of work, that you're an indentured servant of some kind or another. Obviously, that's not the case. But often, when we read these passages that talk about slaves and masters or servants, slaves and their masters, we make the, the application to us in our employee-employer kind of uh, uh, situation. I think that's a fair application. So here in Titus 2, beginning verse 9, teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. Notice, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. The way you conduct yourself in your work situation provides an opportunity to make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Another, I think another version says that we can adorn the teaching of Christ, make it look good. Consider that. What, what if you knew of a situation uh, uh, where this guy, he calls himself a Christian. He goes to church on Sunday, but when he's at work, he is disrespectful, He's lazy. He, he he tries to do the very least that he could possibly have to do. Uh, he's all the time cutting corners. I've actually known him to steal a few things from the job sites, you know. Not a lot, but just pilfer a few things now and then from the employee. And that guy calls himself a Christian. Someone said, he calls himself a Christian. And look how he does. So you realize that by a bad example, you could, you could cause harm to the cause of Christ. Your bad example on the job could cause harm to the cause of Christ. Paul here is saying you ought to work in such a fashion. Be honest. Be trustworthy. Do a good job. Because in doing so, you'll actually be a benefit. In other words, you'll set a good example and it'll provide an opportunity to be a positive influence on others by how you conduct yourself at the work site. I believe that's something to be taken into consideration. Tomorrow morning when you head off to work, those of you who are working a, a, a day-by-day job, think about actually one of the benefits of that is not only it's good for you and it can provide for your needs and the needs of others, but it's giving you an opportunity to be an influence. Use that. We, we, we constantly need to be looking for those opportunities to be an influence to others for good. There's not a doubt that the Word of God 
commands us to be dedicated workers and that we should put forth our very best efforts uh, when we're uh, on the job. Colossians chapter 3, beginning verse 22. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Notice that he warns not to serve with eye service as men pleasers. Can you picture that? I think that's a fairly easy thing to grasp. I'm just, I'm just lazy. I'm, I'm not doing much at all. But coming around the corner there, I see the boss or the supervisor. So what I, oh, I get real busy and act like I'm really, you know, uh, really making a lot of progress on the job here. When I'm within eye shot of the boss or the supervisor or the employer, uh, I'm just, I'm just a man pleaser. I'm, I'm, I'm not really doing a, a great job here, but I'm just trying to look good when the boss is watching. Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. But he says, we should work with an understanding that we're accountable to God. Not with eyes service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. That's, you know, we shouldn't be a good employee because we're afraid of what the boss will do. We should be afraid not to be a good employee because of how God will hold us accountable if we fail to do the right thing. Uh, a Christian honestly, should be the very best kind of an employee that anybody could have. Uh, if you were looking for the right kind of people, you're a boss, you have a, a business, and you're looking for the right kind of people that you want working for you, you, it should be so. Now, sadly, it's not always the case, but it should be so that you couldn't hope for a better employee than a faithful Christian would be. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, it says, "...whatsoever thy hand findeth to do..." Do it with thy might. We ought to put ourselves into it. Uh, we shouldn't be lackadaisical, half-hearted. We should, we should really be energetic, effective, hard-working individuals. That's what God expects us to do. And so if you were going to sort of summarize the, the biblical picture of how we should view employment or work, I think these concepts are definitely there. God initially created us with a need for some work to do. And He expects us to work so that we meet our own needs and help and be able to help others. We could use this as an opportunity to teach and be an influence, and we should be the very best kind of employees that we possibly should be. I think all of those things are important. There's one more thing, though, before we wrap this up that I think has to be stressed. And that is that our spiritual work must have first priority even over our secular work. Uh, I'm afraid that there are too many and even too many Christians who don't follow this rule. I don't know how many times uh, through the years I've heard Christians express the attitude, well, I have to work. You know, Maybe I didn't do this, maybe I didn't do that. Maybe I wasn't as faithful as I should be in this regard or another, but I have to work. Now, how, how would you answer that? Well, yes, you're supposed to work, right? We're not denying the necessity of work, so you do need to work, but you have to put God first. Yes, you have to work, but you have to put God before work. Uh, and that's where I think some people let down. Notice the familiar text in Matthew chapter 6. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. You know it very well, especially verse 33. But notice, Jesus was dealing with the concerns that people had 
about their physical necessities. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? And so he was dealing with the fact, people are concerned, how, how am I going to meet my basic daily necessities? He says, your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's, legit, it's a legitimate concern. Oh, what am I going to eat? What am I going to be clothed with? What, how will my basic needs be met? That's legitimate. That's legitimate concern. But have the faith and confidence to know that God is aware of your needs and simply have the faith to commit to Him first. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Keep your priorities right. Yes, work is important, but serving God spiritually is the most important thing. King David said in Psalm chapter 37, verse 25, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Would, if we went around the assembly tonight and we asked everybody, could you agree with that statement? Isn't that your own experience as well? In your, in your remembrance, can you remember an instance when there was a faithful child of God who went begging for bread, who simply didn't, wasn't able to have the basic necessities of life met. Have you ever known that? I've got to say, I, now, I'm not denying that, that might, there might be exceptions to the rule, but in our situation where we live and in the blessed time where we live, and I've never known a situation where a faithful child of God simply didn't even have the very raw basic necessities of life to live upon. We're blessed, and we need to. And and since that is the case, since God's not going to let us do without, He's promised if we put Him first, our other needs will be met. Now, that's not to say you live in a big mansion and 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 you know have a fleet of new cars. He didn't promise that, but He did promise us: seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these other things will be added to you. And so, have the faith to put your spiritual work first. Yes, work is important, necessary. But have the faith to put your spiritual work first. And I really believe that God will bless us when we do that. All right, there's some thoughts about work. As we said at the outset, most people, I think, uh, would say, well, yeah, we, we use the Bible when we go to church on Sunday to tell us how we're supposed to worship. No, we know it's way more than that. And here's one detail. This is just a detail of life, right? Our work is just a detail. Of life. Our, some people, Unfortunately, many people in the world... Work is their life. Now, that's not the way we're supposed to look at it, right? Uh, work is a part of what we do in our life, but our work is not about, uh, our, our life rather is not about work. Work is important, it's necessary, but our life is not about work. Our life is about serving God. And so we need to keep all of that in the right perspective. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say tonight. I hope it's been helpful. I don't, I don't, I don't suggest that any of this is new stuff to any of us. But it's important to be reminded from time to time about such essentials. Thanks for your good attention. We've not taught the plan of salvation tonight, but we wouldn't want to end without giving everybody a chance to respond to the Lord in obedience. If you're prepared and ready and want to do that, we want to make ourselves available to you. If you're ready to obey the gospel, please make that decision. If you have questions, ask us. If we can assist in your obedience, let us know. If you're a Christian already but you've fallen away and need to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer, we'd be glad to pray with you and for you. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.
holding up his banner in the thick.